0: Welcome to this edition of Catch Up with Touch. This is your host, Dr. Ronnie Sims here in Northern California. I'm so glad that you tuned in today. You're in for a real treat. Before we dive into that, I just want to say a quick shout out and thank you to Touch for their heart in this matter. I think it's wonderful when they came to me with this idea and we shared these ideas of what can we do to help the profession as a whole? We're not just looking to sell software here. We want the beloved profession of chiropractic to thrive. And so what do you think we should do? And I came up with the idea of interviewing some legends on my show. And I'll tell you, I just, I've just i had some great guests on, but today we have a true legend. Uh, this gentleman has had, I want to say, a five to six decade career in chiropractic. And so please uh, welcome Dr. Guy Reichman. How you doing, Guy? Great.
1: Legend just sounds old at this point, you know, <laughs> know Legend's
0: still a good name. We'll put goat. How about one of the goats? One of the greatest of all time. Uh, 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 Dr. Guy. Complimentary. Yeah. You know, I, I I've met you a couple of times, but it was in a bigger room and was always so impressed by your um, your humility. Because I know you've had a great career, but you have a spirit of humility about you and you are a great leader. You've proven that on many different fronts. And I love how you made the pivot from practice into academics and, and how you really helped steer the colleges in the right direction. So I want to talk to you about that. Give us kind of a Reader's Digest version of your Cairo story how you've gotten to where you are right now, which is Chancellor emeritus, I believe, is the title. I don't know what that means. You can explain that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. my
1: story starts at birth, actually. My dad was a 1947 grad from Palmer College in those big post-war classes. And my dad was an amazing guy. It took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, you mentioned humility before. I hope I got that, if I have any, got it from him. He was this uh, kind, sweet, gentle guy. Um at his funeral, I made the comment, I'd never heard anyone say anything bad about my dad. And someone came up to me that had known my dad his entire lifetime and said, "Uh, the reason is your dad never said anything bad about anyone else. But he was also a really powerful chiropractor. I found out after he died, Joseph Keating came up to me, the guy who did was a chiropractic historian for so many decades. And he said, I was doing a study on state board exams, you know, back in the Back in that time, uh, there were chiropractic boards, but you had to get through the medical basic science board first. Whether you were a dentist, a chiropractor, an MD, you had to take what we now call part one national boards, essentially. But they were all essay tests from from, uh, developed or delivered by the medical profession. And they were all subjective. They were all essays. And chiropractors, even though there was licensure in many states, Uh, they would use those medical licensing boards to keep chiropractors from coming in to even be able to sit for the chiropractic uh, part of the license. And so Joseph Keating was doing a study on these medical state licensing boards and told me that my father was the only chiropractor that was ever put on a medical state licensing board by a governor, uh, in this case in New Mexico, to make sure chiropractors had a fair shot at getting through of uh, the, the state or the medical part of the board so they could take the chiropractic exam. And, and I didn't know that, right? When I was a kid growing up, I would just ask my mom, where's dad this weekend? And she'd go, oh, he's up in Santa Fe doing some chiropractic political stuff. And uh, what he was up there doing was fighting for the profession. In fact, one of the thing, I know this isn't what you necessarily asked me, but um, my father and three other chiropractors are fighting for chiropractic rights. Uh, two of them had their offices firebombed, windows blown right out the front of the building, and the other two had their, their all their all files, their files. Uh, gassed and burned, et cetera. So, I mean, this was back in a time and age when, in chiropractic, we don't even think about that, you know, any longer. But so I was born into that, right? I was born into that kind of an environment. Yeah, one of the uh, things that I've always been known for in the profession is uh, a lot of creative visioning. Uh, looking to the future of chiropractic. And I actually uh, think that happened. I grew up on a little farm in New Mexico and had a horse. And I used to spend eight to 10 hours a day on that horse all by myself out in the middle of the desert. And you know, when you're doing that, your brain, you you create scenarios and your brain runs. And I actually think that uh, what I became as an adult was sort of programmed on those uh, long rides in the middle of the desert out in New Mexico. But Anyway, wound up at chiropractic school, not because I wanted to go to chiropractic school. I was uh, an all-American basketball player in high school and uh, played a year at uh, a college in New Mexico and uh, hated the coach, So I left and was headed up to Chicago to play for old man Ray Myers at DePaul University. And back then, you, there were no uh, sports portals like today. Back then, you had to sit out a year. You, you couldn't just transfer from one school to another. And it was the Vietnam War. And so my dad said, you know, don't sit out at home. You're going to get drafted if you do. So he said, why don't you go to Palmer for a year? So I went to Palmer, and I was sitting there getting ready to leave after three quarters and head up to Chicago. And uh, one night in an old, dark, dank auditorium, because Virgil Spring was offering some extra credit points, if we'd go listen to a speaker, I heard Reggie, Reggie Gold talk and Reggie spoke for four hours. I couldn't tell you one thing he said today, but I knew it three hours into it. Um, I gave up the basketball thing. I said, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. And I'm going to be a chiropractor. And that was 1969. So, wow. um, you can add up the decades after that, uh, in those decades in between there, obviously built a successful practice, went to Sherman as the vice president to help them get uh, that college off the ground, taught philosophy and, um, uh, Blair x-ray there, uh, Sherman. And uh, then Joe Felicia and I met up and created Renaissance, which was the first real organized effort with patient education using the contemporary technology of the day, which was videotape. And I say contemporary because in 1977, when we started this, only 10% of American households even had a VCR. Uh, we wow. used to go to the seminars and teach chiropractors how to use these video tapes for education that we had shot at the Osmond Studios. And we'd have 100 VCRs stacked up in the back of the room because they had to buy a VCR. They didn't have one when they went home in order to use the program. So that was 1977. Uh, Wound up uh, dropping out for four years. I hit burnout, uh, what I thought was burnout. And I dropped out on a beach in Southern California and did nothing for four years. Um, except get up every day. Uh, I went to film school at UCLA because I've always loved movies and uh, went to the beach, had tickets to the Lakers during the Boston Lakers, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird era Um, and had a great time. Went to six, seven, eight movies a week, which I still do until (laughs) COVID hit, but uh, loved movies. And then uh, one day decided to come off the beach and it was hard. Uh, Going to the beach is easy. You just have to drop out. You just have to quit. Coming off the beach requires an act of volition. Uh, (laughs) A friend of (laughs) mine drug meets a hear Werner Earhart in San Diego. And I remember he was there. I was there with 5,000 people. And Werner uh, put up a one diagram on a big chalkboard and lectured for a few hours. And man, that, that turned my life around um, Mm. that night. So came off of it and created Quest, which was the largest practice management program maybe ever, but of its time, we were managing about 7,000 chiropractors on a day-to-day basis in their offices, and then gave it up and went to Palmer. Palmer was in trouble, um, had some issues, and uh, wanted somebody to steer it out, and was there six years before I left, and then went to Life University, uh, who was really in trouble. They had had issues with accreditation and uh, the campus had been sold before week, a week before I got to the, got there. And it's just a remarkable story of life coming back and becoming the, not only the largest chiropractic college in the world, but also becoming a really unique university uh, that's known throughout the world for its programs and things like positive psychology, uh, all sorts of issues. So, or various uh, programs. It's, it's programs that it's doing in uh, the prison system, Uh, with education, etc. So really innovative stuff that we're really proud of that we got done at Life University. And now I'm back to my roots, which is an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, we've opened up some clinics in the Detroit area, which I know we're going to talk about where the profession's going. Yeah, Uh, These clinics are my reflection of what I think, where it's going. But also we've created a new way of communicating uh, with patients and a new way of chiropractors creating income in their office based on the remote patient management world that we live in today. So anyway, that's a thumbnail sketch of uh, 70 years and uh,
0: hoping to keep it kicking for at least a couple more decades. Wow, I hope so too, man. Our profession needs you. Um, And I want to ask you right now, as you look at the profession coming out of the academic side, and I think about these young graduates coming out with these big student loan debts, um, they're not sure where they fit. And so kind of speak into that, like, what do you see, what would you say to that young graduate right now? What advice would you give them? And where do you see the profession going for them? Oh, boy, you just gave me two, three hour questions. (laughs) Um, The the first one,
1: and we can break them down. You go where you want to go. But uh, obviously, we probably need to talk about some leadership and success issues for the individual chiropractor coming out. Uh, I've always said, and I still believe this to this day, you let me talk to a a student before they enter school or in their first quarter. And I can almost 100% tell you whether they're gonna make it or not in the profession. Wow. Um, so maybe we can come back to that. The other part of it is, you know, where's the profession headed? Um, I, I always break this down into two, two parts, right? One is, uh, what does the profession stand for? What is What does it have to offer? What is its marketing brand, right? what contribution does it have to people's health? Uh, I'm just going to call that principles, right? What are the principles of the profession? In my opinion, the principles of the profession have not changed since the beginning of the profession. Uh, if I could be oversimplified, you know, it starts off with the belief that's different than medicine. Uh, what we call a vital vitalism in philosophy today, but vitalism basically says that, uh living things are self-developing, self-correcting, self-maintaining mechanisms. You know, they heal from uh, on their own. You don't have to train them how to do that. Uh, so it starts off with this notion that human beings in the universe is sort of a self-maintaining, uh, self-developing, self-healing mechanism. Uh, from that, you flow some trickle-down concepts. So in human beings, then we have to look at, well, what is normal function, right? If it's self-developing, self-healing, self-maintaining, we know that these systems in the universe, including the environment works best when it's free of interference. So if you look at the planet, for example, I would say that the planet is a self-developing, self-healing, self-maintaining mechanism that has some interference in it. It's us, right? We have the interference to the planet. If you wipe all human beings off the planet tomorrow, does anyone have any doubt that within a relatively short period of time, the planet wouldn't heal, maintain, and get itself back to balance. So, you know, the planet works on this vitalistic principle, and uh, so do human beings, living things. And we know they work best if they're free of interference. And of course, uh, there are three basic interferences, but one of them that's critical for us as chiropractors is the idea that since as human beings, the nerve system controls who we are, we have to look specifically to the nerve system. We had at Life University, a think tank called the Octagon. And every year we'd bring experts in various fields in uh, and they would have discussions. Jerry Klum would come out and negotiate those conversations. And for a five-year period, we had neurologists, neurophysiologists, functional neurologists, uh, academics in neurology, medical doctors in neurology, chiropractors, and they would sit in a room And I remember the first conference they had, they would talk for a week about research, et cetera. And then they'd write these white papers. And I remember the first time they came out, they said two things about the nervous system. Number one, you are your nervous system. You're not your heart, you're not your lungs, you're not your liver, right? In fact, uh, you are your nervous system. That's where all consciousness, memory, uh, function, uh, adaptation, all those things come from is inside your nervous system. And the second thing they said was that the whole function of the nervous system was by working in its environment uh, to evolve over a period of time. In other words, we are not who at 70, I'm not who I was at 12, you follow me? My nervous system has taken information, it's learned from that information and it's more successful at adapting uh, in the environment because of it. So we are our nerve systems. And uh, when we look at interference to the nerve system, there are three of them, physical traumas, right? Whether it's a spinal malfunction, which is our specialty, of course, a concussion, right? Whether it's um, uh, a trauma that someone's had in an auto accident, right? Brain trauma, et cetera, you have physical trauma. The second are uh, environmental toxins, everything from cigarette smoke, pollution, Mercury in fish, mercury in the fillings in our teeth and vaccines, right? All the toxins that we take in and from the environment that lodge in our body. So, for example, we know that the average American consumes a credit card worth of plastic every year, which the body has a difficult time eliminating. And plastic has a tendency to lodge in the gut and create all sorts of gut issues. Uh, Or metals, for example, we know they tend to lodge in the brain and lead to... uh, Neurogenerative diseases. So, you know, these are environmental toxins that impact the nervous system. And then finally, emotional stresses. Uh, someone sees their best friend blown up in a roadside bomb in Iraq. Uh, they come home uh, with all sorts of problems, including higher rates of suicide. Uh, they weren't physically traumatized, but they were emotionally traumatized, their nerve system was. So, we know the nerve system controls function. We know as human beings, the nervous system is how we're expressing and adapting in the environment. We're better off if we have less interference in our nervous system than more. And the, we know that these three interferences exist, and we should try to minimize them. That's our story, right, in chiropractic, right? Now, some chiropractors practice that by going, I'm just concerned with correcting the, the malfunction in the spine, subluxation, if you will, to clear out that part of the nervous system. Uh, Other chiropractors on the other end of the scale say, hey, I have a lot of interest in getting rid of environmental toxins and cleaning up these issues. And I think most chiropractors in the middle, the 90% of us in the middle say, hey, my main focus is correcting subluxations and then giving people information about how to build a lifestyle uh, that's congruent with getting rid of these other interferences and, and living a healthier, more naturalistic, organic, vitalistic lifestyle. I think that's where 90% of the professionals. So I know that was a long run. To answer your question, the principles of chiropractic, I don't think have changed since 1895. What's changed is delivery, right? What's changed is delivery, whether that's delivery over an adjusting table. um, Let's face it. uh, There was not an adjusting table for the first chiropractic adjustment. (laughs) I've seen all those pictures of, you know, D.D. Palmer's office in 1895, and there's a bench in Harvey's Lane on it. But uh, from what Joseph Keating told us, uh, it probably happened on the floor, that Palmer <laughs> probably put Harvey Lillard down on the floor. And it is Palmer said, he racked the vertebra in the lower spine back into place, lower cervical spine back into place. Um, I would tend to believe our delivery has changed a bit over the years, <laughs> based on our research. Um our education has changed, right? Uh, when I first got out of school, there was one way to educate a patient. You sat down with them one-on-one at a report of findings and tried to explain chiropractic to them until the reception room was so backed up, you had to interrupt it and you know go take care of patients. And then we went to video education in 1977 with Felicia and what we're doing. And today in entirely different format, um, I'd love to get into it in a moment, but we can talk about how people are living remotely today. Yeah. Uh, they're living on their iPhones and we should have that conversation. So the right. principles haven't changed, but the delivery has changed. Hmm. But I think just to wrap this up, I think the biggest change in the last 10 to 20 years in our profession has been a reorientation and focus on the impact of chiropractic on the nerve system. Mm -hmm. We've always said that chiropractic simplistically is about spinal function and its impact on the nerve system. But what's happened in research today from, you know, medicine to chiropractic is this huge exploration about the brain and neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. and um, how we function and how we heal and how we uh, deal with uh, neurological degenerative diseases and I mean, the issue today is absolutely in the world of research, nerve system information. And what we're finding out is the chiropractic may be less about racking bones and more about our impact on the nerve system. Uh, I know that Heidi Havik's work out of New Zealand, for example, mm. they've hooked up the brain. And when the, a cervical adjustment's given, the brain lights up like Christmas tree lights. Mm. Um, so we know that chiropractic is having a huge impact on the nervous system, and I think the future uh, for us is really uh, owning and taking control of this issue in the nervous system.: uh, gotcha. the
0: No, that's wonderful. And I you know I think uh, the word racking the vertebrae back into place is probably not uh, appropriate in the modern ROF. But hearing you talk, I love the, the transition we're making as a profession. Um, are we ready for that and are the students coming out is it still the same old I'm gonna go hang my own shingle kind of thing or do you think the profession's evolving like other businesses where you go through your um, find out your strengths and your weaknesses figure out what my personality type is you know I know some guys some guys and gals come out and they're more equipped to be a caregiver they're not an entrepreneurial spirit like you and I they're not they're not um, built to build a business so Is there something in school now where the students are are starting to discover that stuff so that we, I just feel like chiropractors should be together more. That's just my thought. I have five associates. I want to have more. I just feel like we thrive better in a tribe like that. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I would would agree totally with you. Two points on that. One is when uh, I got to life, one of the things we did after we reestablished and stabilized the school and it was growing was we looked at our curriculum and we added up all the hours that were spent on bones, right? Spinal yeah. bones, right? And then all the hours that were spent on the nerve system and it was so disproportionate to bones, it's no yeah. wonder that our profession and the chiropractors graduating have a uh, bad back kind of consciousness yeah. you know, versus a neurological consciousness. And wow. so we made a commitment at life uh, to, to readjust that balance So literally, um, we had more, and I think this is probably still true, we had more um, people who had been diplomates in functional neurology, teaching neurology classes, than all the other chiropractic schools combined, Um, right? Or it was at least close. And the second thing is we made a commitment that we would teach neurology in the classroom to a diplomate level. Now, not necessarily the application of that, you know, through a functional neurology center, but the understanding of the nerve system. So the kids getting out of school today have an understanding of the nerve system that is so far beyond mine. And when Hmm. I graduated in 1972, um, that it's incredible. So I I think they have those resources, but to your point uh, in the old days, it was single doc, hanging up a shingle. You had to be an entrepreneur. You had to battle marketing and branding and, all those kinds of issues. Uh, I sit on a board right now uh, called Vistria out of Chicago. Uh, it's a group of venture capitalists uh, that are working with a group called Cairo One. Yep. And um, they have 100, about 150 clinics are going to 400. Um, and they are the perfect example of taking chiropractors coming out of school and setting them up in practice and saying, you take care of the patients. You you take care of them Monday through Thursday, you educate them, we'll do all the work around it, which is staff and driving patients to your practice, uh, keeping track of the money, the statistics, all those kinds of things. So I think we're seeing that in the profession. My daughter and son-in-law have about 100 offices uh, called 100% Chiropractic. They go out and skim off the cream of the crop out of each school, the entrepreneurs, and set them up in practices. The other end of the scale is like Cairo One that says, hey, we'll take people that don't want to be entrepreneurs, that don't want to do this, give them a great living in chiropractic uh, and let turn them loose to provide outrageous care and we'll handle all the other stuff for them. So I think that's Uh, happened
0: more and more in chiropractic. Oh, I love hearing that. And it really encourages me because I've always felt that's the future is that we need to bond together and play to our strengths and and. You know, what you're saying there is these companies are helping feel, fulfill those weaknesses that you might have so that you can play to your strengths and be your best. And, you know, be a, some, some guys come out, they're entrepreneurial spirits, they're going to start their own practice. That's just going to happen. But I love what you're saying now is that I think the future of chiropractic is working in teams, working in a legitimate business where you don't have the stress of running the day to day. The other part of that, if you don't mind me interrupt, the other part well, no. of that is specialization
1: in chiropractic. You know, in medicine, you walk into a hospital, you know, because you have an earache. And all of a sudden, they've got people, they can refer you to all sorts of specialists in that structure. In chiropractic, chiropractors have for some, I don't know, egotistical reason think, well, if I can't take care of it, a patient comes in, and I can't address what they have, I'm shipping them off to the medical community. Not me, right? Right. To me, my idea is, if a patient comes in, we have a lot of kids coming in now with learning disabilities into our clinics here in uh, the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we do is we examine them, of course, chiropractically. We then have a functional neurologist that we can send them to that starts checking their reading levels and how their brain is working, how their eyes are working, right? To include along with chiropractic. And um, uh, we also have someone around here that practices a pediatric chiropractic. So, you know, instead of referring them off to the medical community, we refer them to other places, right? Wonderful. Uh, including, I took my dogs in this weekend uh, for two chiropractors uh, who take care of animals, right? So, you, you know, I, I think that this specialization in chiropractic is great. No chiropractor can be everything to every patient. For example, I, I hated taking care of PI patients. So hmm. I had the chiropractor I referred them to. He hated taking care of families because kids would come in and eat his plants, you know, (laughs) and I love that. So we referred back and forth to each other frequently. And I think that's also about our profession growing up.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's always been a bit of an Achilles heel where we tend to circle the wagons inward and shoot at each other. And I think it's so beautiful. I have a couple uh, situations very similar to that where we refer out regularly. Now, some people like myself are building teams that have specialties on that same team, too. So I think uh, chiropractic is growing up, like you said. So now as we pivot and, you know, you and I both grew up in an era where technology you talked VHS uh, earlier offline. We're talking about how you used to print your emails. Um, yes. Anyway, you, you and I have become our parents. But as we look at this, uh, the future and technology, give me a glimpse into the future of chiropractic, especially with the remote workforce now and all these different uh, resets we've gone through. Well, let me give you three points, right? This is my new interest over
1: the last five years. Um, People, because of these things, right? Because of our iPhones, people are living remote lives. Let me tell you what I did yesterday, just so you know, right? Um, I got online and bought uh, return tickets to Puerto Rico where I live half the year. I needed uh, to get some uh, stuff before I went down there. Uh, so I got on Amazon and I ordered four, four, four or five things. I also am getting ready to go on a great golf trip with some friends. And I needed some new shorts and golf shirts uh, mm-hmm. and balls, right? And a glove. Well, those are different places that you go to to get the clothing versus the balls versus the clubs. That's um, right. Uh, I wanted to set, I set up dinner reservations for Friday and Saturday night, right? And a number of other things. If I would have had to go and do all those things, I would have been spending two days running around the stores all over the place. Instead, I got all that done in half an hour in the 30 minutes laying in bed at 1030 at night, waiting for Erica to get the kids down, right? Uh, I got online and I ordered all that stuff. Amazon's the ultimate example of that, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and stuff has been being delivered to my front doorstep all morning long uh, this morning, right? We're living remote lives of management. And people are doing that, not just in bed at night, before they go to sleep, they're ordering groceries while they're standing on the, uh, uh their kids' soccer field watching, you know, their young kids play soccer. They're ordering dinner that they're going to pick up on the way home. They're uh, on Whole Foods. Whole Foods is delivering the groceries to their front doorstep, um, and we see this everywhere. Carvana uh, has no showrooms, right? It's that yeah. you see them in these big cities, these glass cylinders that are eight stories high, like a vending machine with cars stacked up. Uh, I had a friend a year and a half ago. We were watching the NBA finals. He ordered a car at halftime,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: got delivered. He drove it for a week and decided whether he wanted it or not. Wow. Uh, so you know, we're seeing the American Banking Association, for example, says by the year twenty thirty four which is not far away, 2034, there will not be one single branch bank left in the United States. They'll have their big headquarters downtown where they're doing administrative stuff, but everything else is going to be done online, which most of it is today anyway. So people are living remote lives of remote management. Medicine has been into this for a while. So, for example, a couple sort of scary statistics. Um. 75% of hospitals in the United States already have an app that they're using for remote patient management. And 50% of the patients that go through the hospital are signed up into these programs. Uh, White Plains, New York, uh, White Plains Hospital in New York, for example, has a program, it's typical called Hospital at Home. 50% of the people that go through White Plains Hospital are signed up in this app so that the medical community is now in our patients living rooms bedrooms etc and they're communicating information to them research data uh, healthcare advice all those kinds of things we are so late to the show hmm. this one's even more telling 20% of all cell phone users in the united states which is basically everybody in the united states that's older than 8 has a cell phone right so that's right. of all cell phone users in the United States already have an app that their doctor has given to them that the doctor is using to manage their healthcare. So, you know, they might have a patch to measure their insulin levels so the doctor can get those readings twice a day, manage their healthcare, their diabetes remotely, et cetera, et cetera. 20% of the people in the United States, one out of five is already having their healthcare managed by a doctor through some type of remote app. And just to give you an idea of how widespread this is, and this is not a blip on the screen, one small aspect of remote health management is uh, telehealth, right? It's one yep. small piece of it, but it's it reflective. In um, 2016, there were, excuse me, I take that back. In 2017, there were um, 350,000 televisits to MDs. Last year, there were 1 billion. One out of every five visits to a medical doctor last year were televisits. One out of every five. So things are changing. There's a company, you, you can look at it online. It's a medical group called Forward. They are sweeping the country. You can get online and see their video. You go in, they have no reception room. There's no staff there. You go in, you can go in every day if you want. They have equipment. You can measure uh, your, how your health care is going. The consultations are done remotely uh, for the most part, and they're the way they have it set up it's a a program where you pay a monthly fee, and it covers all of your healthcare rather than a per visit kind of fee. I mean, things are changing quickly in healthcare
0: and chiropractors. We've got to get this wrapped around us, or we're going to be left in the dust. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, you're so spot on there, Doc. And you know, even in my practice, we've Began implementing this with some HIPAA compliant apps and whatnot. And I know that's just going to get better and better. Obviously, the good old fashioned adjustment needs to take place in the clinic. But to Absolutely. your point earlier, it seems like chiropractic is heading toward not only giving great neurologically based spinal care, but also what you said earlier is so spot on of being able to come alongside them and help them with their lifestyle. And these are things we can do remotely. Yep. And we can do it more efficiently remotely. Gosh, when you're in the clinic, I know you used to hate this, I hate this. Where you 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 don't have enough time to spend with this patient and go over what you want to go over with them because the waiting rooms get filled up. Yep. And so anyway, I think it's great. So any it, other any, it, go ahead. I mean, you know, to your point, one of the
1: things this happens to chiropractors all the time. Patient gets up off the table and says, Hey doc, my wife and I just got pregnant. What do you think about chiropractic for her? For the baby, is it safe? Chiro- you're right. There's a bunch of people in the reception room. The chiropractor gives them a bad five or seven minute view of how we view chiropractic and natural birth. And chiropractic has sends them home with no information, no research on any of that. And patient leaves the office without our story, so to speak. Um, today, for example, we have an app that we put out uh, that's just come out to manage all those things, like you said. So the patient says to my staff today, hey, we just got pregnant, what do you think? I give The the office gives them a one minute answer. Hey, um, we have an app. The app has a five trimester program with Claudia Onrig, one of the leaders in our profession in pregnancy. She does the three months prior to pregnancy, trimester one, two, and three, the four months after pregnancy, all the things that you need during that time, the research articles. And so um, when you get home, get into the app, go to the pregnancy section in the programs and uh, start your five uh, trimester program with all the videos, research articles, and we'll check in with you on your visits, right? So that's
0: just one topic. I I imagine your app, you just fill in the blanks, right? It's
1: got uh, over 20 different programs in there from gut restoration to the newest one on long-haul COVID, which they now know uh, long-haul COVID symptoms of, fatigue, confusion, brain fog, all of that. Uh, The research coming out from the universities now says it's all about the nervous system. They don't know what to do with it, but they've even said it's about the vagus nerve and getting the vagus nerve stimulated. And by the way, one of the things that we did was we did a year-long study with 25 patients from different offices across the United States without their chiropractors being involved, right? So we got the real scoop. Two things, we found out a lot, but two great things. They all love their chiropractors, right? They all love their chiropractic. The other thing, though, the number one thing they said was, we have more questions to ask our chiropractor, but we don't ask because we know they're too busy, uh. right? And so we said, well, then, well, where, where are you going to get your answers? And they, here were the two big answers, WebMD and Google, right? So when they go there, what are they getting? They're getting medical advice, they're getting Google, they're getting Dr. Bill Gates, you know, <laughs> uh, news on the world and health share, right? That's right. And so we're literally sending them by not answering their questions to that's places right. that are going to contradict what we're trying to teach
0: them in our chiropractic office. We got to change this. No, I agree. And that's a brilliant uh, plan. I really like that. And so I know we, you and I could talk all day and I have very personal interest in what you're saying. So.
1: Uh-huh
0: you and i are going to talk offline more but um just kind of some final final parting words to the profession because that just so you know this is going to go out to all of chiropractic not just newbies so just some some parting words as we close this up you know if i were to say two or three critical things
1: that we need to look at as a profession is one is we you know and we talked although we didn't get into it about what students need to be successful when they get out they really need to be grounded in our pr- principles they need to own those right they need to own those principles i'm always amazed we got to watch sort of a microcosm of what's been going on for for decades and decades when covid hit and at the beginning of covid i know myself and my other chiropractic friends while the world was going insane with masks and fear and you know multiple vaccination levels, we laid out the first the first month that this happened, we go, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. When it all gets settled out, here's what's going to happen. We said, number one, they're going to find out that self-immunity is better than the vaccines. And they have. They found out that if you've had COVID, your immunity is two and a half times stronger and lasts longer than the temporary vaccines uh, with COVID. We said, everybody's gonna get COVID, there's no way to protect us. And it's true, everybody's gonna get COVID along the way, right? We said that mask and distancing was for the most part, except in certain unique circumstances, sort of ridiculous, right? And yet we still see that they're taking kids who are the least vulnerable, have the least likelihood of getting it, the least likelihood of having uh, adverse effects from getting COVID. And there's these school systems still trying to mask and uh, do social distancing in schools, even though John Hopkins came out with their research and said that that had absolutely almost nothing to do uh, with protecting us from COVID. And in fact, may have created a problem. And one of the problems it created, we destroyed a whole generation of kids that we're now finding are mentally, mentally challenged because of the lack of a year of social interaction and all those kinds of things. We did that all wrong. And yet, you know what? A group of us sat around and said, here's what they're going to find out when this all gets said and done. You say, well, how did you know that ahead of time? The answer our principles in chiropractic. were very clear that that was going to be the outcome.
0: That's right.
1: One is I think chiropractors really need to get, get understand those principles and be able to communicate them. I think the second thing comes from Christensen, which is Uh, We live in a society of disruptive innovation today. Um, You know, the automobile was a disruptive innovation in the world. The iPhone 11 years ago was a disruptive innovation that changed literally how people live their lives. Uh, And so, you know, we live in an age of disruptive innovation. We need to use these innovations to take care of people, uh, to provide better healthcare from a, you know, with this neurological orientation, Uh, We need to be able to communicate and educate people more effectively through the systems they're using, like remote patient management, you know, various apps and uh, referrals, et cetera. When the practice grows, uh, you mentioned lifestyle. I went and Googled, just to wrap this up, I went and Googled the top 10 lifestyle diseases. And it's a list you and I would have come together. We would have created it in five minutes without even Googling it. Heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, et cetera. Interestingly enough, I went and looked at all the associations that treat those things. So I went to the American Heart Association. What's their answer? Because if it's a lifestyle disease, it's preventable. And the answers were, get exercise, clean up your diet, learn how to sleep, control your weight, um, and uh, have social interaction, social connectedness, as the Cleveland Clinics called it. Then I went and looked up stroke. It was the same thing. I went and looked up diabetes. It was the same thing. You follow me? If the formula is there, we just need to, the only thing they were missing was the adjustment, right? So the formula was there. And if we as chiropractors recognize that and give the adjustment, teach people our principles, have them adjust their lifestyle, be able to answer questions or give them direction where to get the answers that are within our lifestyle. You know what? We're going to prevent problems uh, these lifestyle issues just by cleaning up the way people live, function, eat, move, etc., cetera. And uh, I think that makes chiropractic on an entirely different level in a person's life. When they see chiropractors not as a back doctor or a neck doctor when you have a pain, they see them as part of their neurological and their brain health. And they see them as part of uh, lifestyle management. They see them as a way of preventing problems. That's a whole different level of sophistication and respect for the chiropractic profession so uh, wow. i think that's where we're headed um, yep.
0: so what i'm hearing you say this this is our time this is our moment to step into the gap Absolutely. and i hope and pray that we're ready i just hope and pray we're ready and you give me encouragement man you really do you been that you've been at this a long time man and you you have a very encouraging spirit and, and this is our time as a profession and you spoke into that the whole time man and, and you are, I know you don't necessarily use this word and you don't think about it, but you have, you have left some incredible uh, legacies behind you in many different areas. And it looks like you're not done. And I love that because it was your calling, you know, it's not your job. This is your calling and you can only sit on the beach so much, right, doc? You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, one of one of the people
1: that was one of the original founders of Life University, and he's still on the board is Dr. Charles Ribley out of Michigan. Uh, I can't tell you the impact by being on the the Life University board for 35 plus years and starting the school and all the students that they've sent to school and educated, you got to look at and say, wow, that one one individual has had a tremendous impact on, on chiropractic today. And what was funny was we were at a board meeting. It wasn't funny. It was emotional. It made me cry. Um, when he got out of chiropractic school, he wanted to go to Michigan, but it was really difficult to get in because of these basic science boards that the MDs ran. And so, um, they were, he, they were known that you had a good shot of getting through the basic science board in a few States. One of them was New Mexico. And, um, uh, and then you could have through reciprocity, you could get into Michigan or some other state. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. He went to he went and took the basic science board when he graduated in New Mexico and failed the first time. And one of the people pulled him aside and said, Look, here's what you need to do to prepare the next go round. And he came back and took the exam the next go round passed and all this other stuff about starting the school is history, et cetera. Wow. And I was, we were in a board meeting and Chuck. Uh Ribley was talking about this. He said, I was asleep last night. And in the middle of the night I woke up and he said, I remembered the day I took that exam and the advice and getting through the board. And he said, I remembered that the person who gave me that advice and got me through that board was Dr. Alvin Reichman, my father. Wow. And that's brutal. That's awesome. Things, things happen. You follow me? what we do today impacts huge numbers of people and so we need to do it with integrity we need to do it with humility we need to put our block uh in the wall for humanity and uh and then train the next generation and move on
0: and uh i'm just so proud to be part of this thing called chiropractic wow man that's a good way to cap this thanks for that story that just makes my heart flutter and uh Sounds like your dad was quite a special man. So, Doc, I just want to thank you once again for your willingness to come on our podcast. Uh, For those of you out there that are tuning into this, this is a real treat for you. And I just want to applaud you for taking the time to watch and listen to this podcast. We, We always say that time spent on personal development is great time spent and keep doing that. We need you now. It's our time, like Dr. Guy said, this is our time to step in the fold and once again, I want to thank Chiro touch for their willingness to put out these podcasts. I think this is a great, great vision here. And the profession needs this kind of content. And they need to hear from Dr. Guy and all the other greats in our profession. So again, thank you, Chiro touch And thank you again, Dr. Guy. And for those My of you please. out there, make sure you're taking care of yourself in a way you want your patients to take care of themselves. So don't neglect yourselves, Doc. Right now, we need to be at our best. The world needs you at your best. So once again, thank you. And I hope you have an amazing day.